girls, come back and let me sing with you. No. Oh, boy, that's good. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 27. I'm going to lift a few verses here to get us started and go through several others in the message. Um, we've had a lot of our folks going through trials, and struggles, and I want to talk about that today a little bit, see if we can be a comfort and a help from, in the Bible from God, from the Holy Spirit of God to someone that is in something or maybe going to be in something soon. Uh, and uh, I think this is of the Lord today, I'm sure of it, and I hope it's a great help. In Psalm 27, just two verses here at the end of this psalm, verse 13 and 14, and of course David knew trials and trouble and struggles of life. In Psalm 27, verse 13, he said, I had... I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Two times he mentions waiting. I want to talk to you today, preach to you, with God's help, on about our seasons of waiting. It's not easy to wait, but we have them. Let's pray. Lord, we have some saints that are struggling, have been struggling, and uh, Lord, some of them they don't have answers. They, they have questions. And you're a good God. And But Lord, in the seasons of waiting, Lord, we must admit, it's hard. Some, Lord, are facing health challenges, some loss of loved ones, some, Lord, having a difficult season and family issues. Uh, Lord, uh, we just pray that today's message will be a help, will be needed instruction and counsel for those that face such a thing. Lord, there's some that right now days are good, but Lord, you know what's ahead, and I pray that you'll help this message to be stored in their heart, and then when the time comes, you'll use something said today, some verse, some point, to be a help for them to go on in faith, believing you. Now, we ask that you'd be with us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was doing pretty good till those girls sang. They just, they, they tear me up. That's a good thing, but not before you preach. That's people ask me, preacher, how come we don't sing much anymore? Because I can't do it without 
crying. And so uh, I don't know if it's age or just uh, a melancholy spirit. I don't know, but one of those girls sing good. Well, on this Lord's Day, we see a text about waiting, waiting. And it's going to take faith, more faith during the waiting times than we could imagine. The Bible, of course, says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And there'll be times in our lives that we'll, we'll say, How is this good? How is this a reward for serving him? But we've got to look at it God's perspective. He sees what we don't see. We need faith, faith in God, more than ever when we go through times of trial, difficulty, testing. What kind of faith is this? If the Bible's talking about without faith it's impossible to preach, what kind of faith is that? That'd be a good question. What kind of faith does that really mean? I mean, really, what does it mean? A faith that pleases God, we're told, is a faith and not only this verse, but other scriptures about faith that is resigned or resolved in the waiting room of life. You know, I hate waiting. I just hate waiting. My wife and I just went for uh, five days in Florida and we enjoyed it. We went one day to, uh, to a, a place where they had wildlife animals and wanted to go see this, but there was a long line and wanted to go see that and there was a long line and we... Stood in one line for a while. I said, I'm not going to wait for this line. And it's just unfair because we didn't know. We don't know the rules. And now they got these lines that are immediate access lines. I guess you pay more for that. And I think they have lines that are immediate access and then more immediate access because the rest of us, nobodies, don't get to see the flipper. You know, we don't get to see the whale. We, and I just hate waiting. I had a good doctor. My doctor uh, was with me for over 30 years, and because of President Obama's uh, rules about you can see your own doctor if we change things, now that went real good, didn't it? And then I didn't get to see that doctor I had all my life, pretty much. And I had to change doctors, and there was a doctor I went to that was suggested to me, nice man, very nice man, cordial man. There was nothing, anything wrong with me while I was under him. But the problem was I'd wait in the waiting room for two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. And I said, that's it. I can't do this. So I got another doctor. I have a good doctor right now. And I don't ever have to wait for him. I mean, I, just a little bit, I'm in there. Because I don't like waiting. Well, think about the waiting room of life. Sometimes you and I have situations that come upon us, not of our own choosing. We don't say, hey, I think I'll have a trial today. I'd like to have some more tests. No. But sometimes it's just a waiting time. Oh, it's tough. Waiting times are tough. It's going to take faith. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a great verse. It's still hard to wait. But they that wait upon the Lord. That's the key. Wait in faith. Wait for God to show something, to reveal something, to fix something, to answer some prayers. It's hard. 
God allows certain situations to come into our lives. Listen, folks, eventually. You may be sitting here and they, oh, I don't see the big deal. You haven't been through it. If you live long enough, you're going to go through some things. And there is a difficulty in those trials, in those tests, in those heartaches, in those sorrows, in those sufferings. But I want to tell you, one of the hard things in that is the waiting. The waiting is hard. We have to have faith in God through these situations that come to all of our lives. We have to wait on God, even though we don't understand what God is doing. We have to wait on God and allow him to bring a, a good result if that's his will. The Holy Scriptures with the Holy Spirit, they're what God has given us to help us navigate through these times. I like to say seasons of waiting. Again, I'm preaching about our seasons of waiting. Again, you may be going through such a thing right now. Just this past week, I had people approach me, and oftentimes people will know, and I'm a pastor and other places, and my people uh, here will ask me questions while they're going through some things. And this week I had three particular individuals that came to me, not of my church, that came to me and asked me for prayer because they were facing a storm or a hardship or a test. I was at Bill Bratchard's funeral the other day, and a man came up to me and he said, I was leaving, he said, Pastor Brown, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, and I went and talked to him. And he said, I'm going through some problems with my kidneys. And it looks like I'm going to have kidney transplant surgery down the road. And I don't want to be on dialysis. Would you please pray for me? And I said, sure, let's pray right now. And I prayed with him. And I said, I will continue to call your name, brother, up in prayer. Then a dear Christian woman this week asked me to pray for wisdom and choices that her and her husband had to make regarding a health crisis. Pastor, please pray for We need the wisdom of God. Then I had a young preacher ask me this past week to pray about open doors, wanting to know God's certain will for his life, his ministry, his family. Hey, folks, those are serious things. I say to us this morning, we all have these times. We all have these seasons, these junctures, if you would, in life, definite crossroads that we'll come to. And these situations, these trials, these sufferings, these sorrows, they, they cause us to be puzzled, and we have perplexity over them. We don't know what to do. We become anxious regarding them. And sometimes, to be honest, we're even at a loss of what to do, what direction to go, who to talk to. Well, first of all, we need to talk to God. But yet, the Bible says if a man needs wisdom, let him ask of God, amen, but also we're told to go to counsel. Wise counsel. And that's good. But Sometimes we just have to go through some things. And it's the going through that's so difficult because it takes time. And we need faith and we need patience, but we're going to have to wait. In all these concourses of life, we had to hold on to our faith and learn to wait on the Lord. For what? To help us, to direct us, to give us strength in our times of weakness, to give us extra grace and guidance and patience with the trial. So I want to talk today about the waiting seasons. Now, first of all, as we get going here, I want us to understand that these waiting seasons are ordained of God. You know, he is sovereign. 
God is in control. He's not upstairs in heaven going, oh, what am I going to do? He's not sweating it out. He's in full command. He is God Almighty. But God uses these seasons in our life to please Him and to bring out His purposes and His outcomes in our life. Now, they might not be always, on our side of the, of the thing, be good things. But in God's eyes, they are. And as Pastor Jeremiah taught us this morning, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than the heavens. And we don't want to submit to that, but that's the truth of it. God is aware and God is able, but God also is fulfilling his purposes. Always, always, when you and I go through a trial, we should say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Is there something I need to correct in my life? You say, well, my situation it has nothing to do with me. I'm not wrong. You're probably true. Just like Job, he had done nothing wrong. But Job was attacked by Satan personally. And think of what he went through. But that was God-ordained. God allowed. God gave permission to Satan. There he is. Go at it. That's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but it's true. But I want to give us some helps today, if I can. Some helps today in faith believing to see what possible outcome of good can come out of the waiting process. In Psalm 25, let me read a number of these psalms that I, I put aside for us today. Psalm 25, verse 5 through 9. The, the Bible says this. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions, According to thy mercies, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. Verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. In Psalm 27, in verse 13, we read these words. A Psalm of David, again. Our text, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In Psalm 37, we have in, in this another uh, Psalm of David. In verse 7, it says, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who... Uh, prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, he says. You know, sometimes when we go through these waiting processes, these trials, these troubles, these sufferings, if we're not careful, we'll get our eyes on other people instead of the Lord. And we'll say, God, Lord, why are they doing so well? And how come you're blessing him? And why are you allowing that wicked person to, to advance? Don't tell me you don't think those things. We all think those things. Don't wait on the Lord. Don't do that. Verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. One more. Psalm 40. 
Great psalm. Another psalm of David. And what's he say in verse 1? I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, we got a choice. We can wait impatiently or patiently. And I'm not telling you I'm good at it. I'm not good at it. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he, here's what I like. He inclined his ear unto me and he heard my cry. Hey, know this. God loves you. And he hears your cry. And he understands what you're going through. Verse 2, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my groans. Aren't these great verses? Verse 3, for he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Let me, let me say this. When we go through these seasons, these trials, these troubles, God help us not to bring down his testimony. Not to... Not to dirty his name. Not to complain to the world after God has been so good to us. And we start questioning, why God? Why? And what are you doing? And why are you doing it? Hey, the body of Christ, we understand these feelings, these emotions, but don't tear down God in it. Don't, don't bring God into... Remember when Job going through all his trials, his wife said, curse God and die. He said, you talk like one of the foolish women. Amen? He said, shall we not receive good at the hand of God? And not evil? Brown paraphrase. But we get that way. Why? Because we're under something. Something's overwhelming. Something's eating at us. Sometimes the struggle, struggles and the sorrows and the, uh, and the storms of life, they have a way of like being an acid in our spirit. If we let them. So what kind of faith waits on the Lord? That's what I want to talk about today. What can we learn? What can we gain? What can we glean from this waiting time? That either maybe you just came out of, maybe you're in the middle of, maybe you're going to be in. First thing is, while we're waiting on God, you're going to be, hey, you're going to have to wait sometimes. And while you're waiting specifically on God, for answers, for healing, for help, for anything that's troubling you. While we're waiting on God, first of all, wait on the Lord in, listen, stillness. Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10. The psalmist gives us this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Hey, before we got in this trial, maybe, maybe you're going through something right now and you didn't know about it. Well, God knew about it. So I don't know what's going to happen in this trial. God knows what's going to happen in this trial. Wait on the Lord in stillness. Sometimes in life when things are happening... And we, they get heavy. We get weary. Sometimes it's just good for us to be still. To be silent. Listen. To listen. I'm not saying what comes upon us is always our fault, that we've done something wrong. We can say, again, I point you to Job. It's not always a result of sin. It's not always a result of something that we didn't do, a lack of faith, 
uh, some sin that God's judging us for. It, it's not always that way. Sometimes we don't know why. But in those times, there needs to be a stillness. Wait on the Lord, he says. And you know, this is going to require something of us. It's going to require an ear of faith. Lord, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to teach me? A stillness to listen for God's voice. Because let me tell you something. There are going to be a lot of voices talking at you when you go through a trial. There's all kinds of voices out there in this world. And in these times and in these seasons of waiting on God and waiting for God to act, answer, help, whatever you're looking for, just be still and know that I am God, God says. Because there's a lot of voices out there. We live in a world today where we're listening to all these voices and we listen much more than we think we do. We listen to our phones, our iPads, our computers. The TV, the texting, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we're involved in it. And we're so involved with those that we don't have any time to be still and silent and listen to God. We just don't. Our automatic response is, let me see what this is. Let me go to this health book. Let me ask this doctor. Let me ask this chat room. No, 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 no. Be still. Be silent. Listen. In stillness, hear him. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. In this fast-paced world, we're so quick to listen to all the other voices. In stillness, to know him better. John chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus said, the sheep, my sheep hear my voice. And he says, uh, uh, by, uh, and, and I know them by their name. John chapter 10 and verse 14, John chapter uh, 10 and verse 27 to 28, all this. I, I know my sheep and uh, they know my voice. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, God said to him, that he understands and knows me. That's God's desire for us to know him, to understand him. Paul said in the midst of all his struggles in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his suffering. So in these times, there needs to be stillness, stillness of hearing him, stillness of knowing him. If you're going through something, that's the time to really be in your Bible. And in prayer. And if you ever were faithful, be faithful now. Don't get mad at God. Go get offended with God. Don't question God. So oh, I'm just going to stay home from church. I'm depressed. Don't go there. My help comes from the Lord. In stillness to trust him more. We know this verse. Proverbs chapter 3, 5. Is it trust in the Lord with all thine heart? Not under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And stillness, trust the Lord. While waiting on the Lord, number one, wait in silence. Number two, while we have to wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord in willingness. Willingness. And this will require a mind of faith. A mind of faith. Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that he hadn't done himself. 
He was, he was going to be sacrificed for our sin. He's in the garden and says to his father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Our Lord showed us the, the example of willingness to do what God wants. Amen. In Psalm 18, verse 44, the Bible says, As soon as the, uh, the hear, they hear me, they shall obey me. This is God's word. He's talking about his people. He says, as soon as they hear me, they will obey me. Wow. I want God to know in my life that as soon as I hear him, I'm going to obey him. I imagine there's a lot of children of God. God knows they're not going to listen to me. We read tonight, we'll be in, in our last message on the, on the love month. We overextended it. But, you know, Abraham, he by faith walked with God. He was a friend of God. And he just made some decisions by faith. By faith. But there's got to be a willingness to do that. Again, not listening to the voices of this world we're in. The media. Washington. I don't care if it's a Republican. Amen. Or a Democrat. Or an Independent. We listen to their voices too much. We don't listen to the voice of God. So media is barking at us all day long. You say, oh, yeah, I love Fox News. Balanced. Folks, CNN and all that, they're not balanced. Either is Fox News. Now, don't get mad at me. I just lost half of you. I know I did. The media is not, listen, they're not the answer. That's just information. But we listen to all the media, and we listen to, we listen to Washington, we listen to the politicians, we listen to Hollywood. Jeremiah was just talking about it. somebody's a singer, and everybody wants to know what they think about something. And then there's Instagram, and then everybody, they're offended, so they say something, and, and, and millions of people are on their side. Who cares? What about God? We wait in stillness, but here's the thing. We need to wait in willingness to do what God asks of us. To do what God would speak of us. We're commanded in Scripture what? To search the Scriptures. We're commanded to study to show ourselves approved. We're, 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 uh, we're to store God's Word in our heart, hide God's Word in our heart. That it might not sin against who? God. These are all a willingness, first of all, to seek God in His Word. Are you going through a trial? Okay, how much Bible are you reading right now? Well, I'm not feeling good. I, I'm depressed. I'm, I just don't. You better be in here. This is where God's going to talk to you. And so we seek willingly God through His Word. And then in willingness, we search out for more understanding. In John's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 10, uh, we, we hear of the Lord. Let me get over there. I thought I marked it. I hadn't. Uh, John chapter 4 and, and, and verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have, have asked of him and he would given thee living water. Here's a woman. She's having trouble. She don't know which way to turn. 
She's thinking that, you know, drinking from Abraham's well is going to be the answer. And Jesus said, wait a minute, my baby. You need my water. I'm the living water. This is what you need. Search out understanding from God. Sometimes when things get dark and our lives go through this and that, we, ought to have, we must understand. We must have a willingness to understand that God is in control. He's fully aware. And a willingness of the surety of salvation. I've said this through the years. If you don't have a settled peace and a no-so salvation, you will not have peace. You will not have surety. You will not have comfort. You will not have confidence if you don't have confidence in your own salvation. I've often said people that aren't sure they're saved will never do much for God. You're just not. And I know, I know what crowd I'm speaking to today. There are people that have been saved. But I know in this crowd there are people that you've made a profession, but you have doubts. There are times that you wonder, am I saved? Maybe I'm not saved. You pray a prayer like this. Lord, if I'm not saved, now please save me. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because I went through it. In my early Christian life, I went through that. And I'd hear preaching on hell, or I'd hear preaching on the judgment of God. And as a young Christian, I thought, man, I don't want to go to hell. I don't know for sure. And I would pray that prayer. I'd say, God, if I'm not saved now, please save me. I must have prayed that prayer, I don't know how many times. I'll never forget the day I got relief. There was a cottage prayer meeting in our home in Garden City, our first home. I think I told you this. We, we had a home we were remodeling. We had shag carpet in the living room. How many ever saw shag carpet before? Let me know. Okay. Oh, wow. Is it back? Is it in? <laughs> we, had, we had chocolate brown shag carpet. And it was about that long. And you raked it. You actually had a rake. And you raked it. And I remember after a cottage prayer meeting, there was a lady there who wasn't sure about her salvation. And here I am leading the prayer meeting. Pastor couldn't be there leading the prayer meeting, trying to help this lady with the assurance of her soul. And as everybody left, I got there later in the night, and I said, God, I'm not sure about this. Here I am giving a lady advice, and I don't know. I don't know, maybe there's somebody like you. Maybe you're that person every once in a while. Somebody preaches hard on hell, or sin, or a tent meeting, or revival, or, or I don't know. And you just say, man, I just, you got to get that thing settled. So when you're in the waiting room of life, you need to settle that thing so you can have some peace and assurance in a time of difficulty. But there's got to be a willingness about it. And never forget, I said, God, I'm done with it. You said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've done that. I repented. Lord, I'm what? And I said, Lord, I got to have some peace about this. I don't want to doubt my salvation. And I said, Lord, you got to give me this. I, I've done what you've asked me. And you know what? God used that verse to heal that in me. Haven't doubted since. Really, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I haven't doubted. But I know out here there's probably some. Every time you go through something, you start wondering. Every time you hear a hard message, you start wondering. Get it settled. There must be a willingness about you. A willingness to believe God, to have faith. While we're in the waiting room of God, there's something else. Wait in readiness to do what he asks of you. 
1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 10, God was speaking to Samuel in a quiet time. You know what Samuel said to him? He said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Samuel was going through something here. This kind of a readiness takes a heart of faith. Samuel was there serving in the temple. Samuel was serving the man of God. Samuel was just a young person. Young people, listen to me. He's just a young person. I'm going to ask you something, young people. Teens as well as young people that may be here. Do you ever hear God speak to you? Do you care if he does? Oh, he's talking. You have to be waiting sometimes in your life. Some of you, some of you are waiting to grow up. You're waiting for high school. You're waiting for you know, college. You're, in college, they're waiting for somebody that'll say yes to a proposal waiting after graduation for a job interview, waiting to be accepted, waiting once you get the job for a promotion. Isn't there a lot of waiting in our life? Sure there is. And we have to wait. So how are we going to, we need to wait in readiness. We need to say to God, God, yes, Lord, I'm listening. The yes, Lord, thy servant heareth. That's to wait in patience. Listen now. For God's choice to be clear. Oh, we got our choices, but they're not the good ones. We will fail in those choices. But if you hear God's voice and you know his way to go, the guidance of his, his plan, his path, much better than us taking a stab at it. We wait in readiness and we say, Lord, speak. That's Samuel the prophet, when he really wasn't much of a prophet. He was just being called. He wakes up. Here's the voice of God. So he goes to the man of God. He said, go to bed. You're bothering me. And then the prophet of God said, I perceive that God's dealing with you. Go back. And he heard that voice. Yes, Lord. Thy servant heareth thee. Speak, Lord. Have you allied God you, have you yourself allowed God, at least position yourself to hear the voice of God during times of difficulty, trial, trouble? Have you ever done that? You should. Are you listening to God's voice to follow whatever he desires? Not what you desire, what he desires. When you're trying to make a choice for God about God's will, with, I mean, serious decisions of life. Don't listen to the naysayers. If you're, here's Samuel. God's calling him into ministry, and he's saying, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth thee. Most people, when they start hearing that voice, say, Oh, Lord, please, you're not, you're not talking to me, right? <laughs> you say, Preacher, how do you know this? Because I went through it. God was knocking on my heart's door about ministry, and I didn't want it. I liked the home we were living in. I liked my job at Ford Motor Company. I liked my payment package. I had a future laid out for me, and I didn't want, no, 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 no. Oh, I think you think that if God calls you into ministry, that it's just right away. Oh, great. Not always. It's 
speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth thee. Lord, what do you want me to do? And listen, when you start to make a decision to go the way God wants you to go, there'll be naysayers. Mm -hmm. Don't go with those. Speak to God. Speak to God. Because although everybody not go with you, God says, I will go with you. Consider the Lord also speaking to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. Then said I, here am I, send me. Now, it's interesting in this verse, Isaiah 6 and verse 8, when God spoke to Isaiah the prophet, notice what we just read. Then said I, here am I, send me. Did you catch the word? Then. Then said I. What's that connected to? A specific situation had just happened in Isaiah's life. Isaiah the prophet Somebody close to him had passed. Somebody close to him had gone out of this world into the next world. And it was somebody that he respected. It was somebody that he had confidence in. It was somebody that, that he, he, he had appreciation for. Isaiah the prophet, he says in chapter 6 and verse 1, uh, let me read it like it's supposed to be read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. It didn't happen until Isaiah saw the king die. When God allows death to come to our door, to our house, to our family, that's a then time. I know it's not easy to hear, but it's true. Then said I, here am I, send me. Isaiah went through this time. And somebody that he looked up to, admired, was now taken away. And he said, I'm listening, God. He saw the Lord for who he was. Verses 2 through 4, it says, the Lord was upon his throne. See, God was showing himself to be in authority, in control, and in holiness. Folks, we are unholy. I'm undone, Isaiah said. Woe is me. I'm a man of sinful lips. I dwell among a people, he said, that are sinful. He recognized who he was. He recognized who God was, high and lifted up. And he recognized who himself was. Woe is me. Have you ever had a woe is me moment? We don't, no, we don't. Oftentimes we don't anymore because we don't want to take the time to listen. We want to stay busy. We want to listen to everybody else. We want to get everybody, well, let's get on the internet. Let's get on Facebook. Let's, let's, let's hash it out. Just be still. Be silent. Listen. Wait for God. And when you go through these times when somebody's been taken away from you or some tragic thing has happened to you or something's going on that's of serious, say to God, Lord, here am I. Are you trying to speak to me? I'm willing. I'll go. He said, God, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm unclean. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Yet, you know what God did? Verse 6 and 7, he sanctified him for service. Isaiah 64, verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, 
and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Here's a man that sincerely looked at his situation, and he said, oh God, I really don't understand everything you're doing, but here am I. Here am I. And by the way, if you read the rest of that chapter, we've got to move on. God takes a coal off the altars in heaven. And he comes down and he touches the lips of the prophet. You know what God was doing there? God was touching him. And it hurt. You know, sometimes in life God does things and it hurts. But don't just judge hurt to be something that is bad, that you want to run from, that you're, you say, it's not for me. God took this man and made him one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. I want to tell you something, it hurt, but it had to be done. It cleansed him from everything that was in the way. We often say, I want God. Preachers say, I want the touch of God. Do we? The cleansing God chose for Isaiah was through the fire. But remember, God told Israel, if you walk through the fire, I'll be with thee. The flood shall not overwhelm thee, overtake thee. Amen. There was a purging process that was necessary. Isaiah knew it. This is mind-boggling. And he said, Lord, here am I. I volunteer. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that you think you can do that. But I know if God touches us, we can. We need to be touched. Then Isaiah heard the voice of God and the call of God. And then you know what God did with Isaiah after he touched him? He says in verse 8 and 9, now go and tell the people. And you know what Isaiah did? He did it. He did what God told him to do. Are you, in your waiting time, there must be readiness to say, yes, God. Yes, God. And lastly, in an example of that, I got to move on. Consider the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, and here's what he said to God. After God spoke to him on the road to Damascus, Lord, what will thou have me to do? You know, Paul had his life all planned. I mean, he was rising star in Judaism. He was, he was, a, he was a prophet. He was, a, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, excuse me. He was up and coming. He was, he was, he was the fair-haired young man of, of Jewry. And he didn't want God. He wasn't looking for God. You know, I'm so glad that God came looking for me. I wasn't looking. No man seeketh after God. I wasn't seeking after God, but God comes seeking me. And he sought Paul on that road. And you know, in, nine, in chapter 9 of Acts, in verse 6, it says, Arise and go. God spoke to him. Arise and go, and thou shalt be told thee what thou must do. Paul never looked back. He went forward. What an example. Consider Paul when he said to the Lord, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? As we go through these trials and tests and struggles and seasons of waiting, it'd be good for us to say, Lord, 
Here am I, Lord, send me. And then, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do? Paul obeyed and he followed the Lord. That sound familiar? There was a man named Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. We read in verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go to, into a place which he should hereafter receive his inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, listen, not knowing whether he went. Wow. I want you to do something for me, Abraham, and I don't know. I'm not, he, God knew, but Abraham didn't know. He said, go. He left the Ur of the Chaldees from his heathen background. But listen, those heathens, he loved them. They were his family. That was his city. That was his hometown. That was the comfort zone for him. And God said, hey, I got something for you to do. But I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what, and I'm not going to tell you where. Just go. Pack up and go. <laughs> I remember when Pam and I, we packed up all the things we had in our kids, and we went down to Tennessee to go to Bible college. I didn't have a job. I didn't know. My family and friends called me crazy. And I'm not just doing this. I'm just trying to tell you, I've experienced this. I know this. And I went down there not knowing. I haven't missed too many meals. God's been good to me. But there have been times, like, I didn't know. When I was done in Indiana, I didn't know. I really didn't know. I said, God, what do you want me to do? I knew I was done, but I didn't know where. And then Parkview come calling. And some of you may not know this, but I was asked to pastor, and I said no. I didn't come the first time. I didn't candidate. process of time, I got called again. Brother Brown, we met. We want to know if you want to come. You got a candidate? I said, no. Second time. No. Struggling with it? Pam and I said, we got in our bed, in our, laid across our bed, prayed one Wednesday morning. I was struggling. Lord, we want, do you want me to stay here? Do you want me to go? I'm not sure what your will is. We prayed. We cried. We laid it before the Lord. Ten minutes after we got done praying, phone rang. Parkview Pulpit Committee. On a, what the, the calls were made back then? You're all, everybody's on a phone. Conference call. Everybody had questions. And I said, okay. I'll come. Okay. Oh, we were so excited. Next day, got a phone call. We got a problem. I said, what is it? The man we just voted who said he didn't want the church, now he wants the church. I thought, oh my goodness. There was so much uncertainty. And here's the advice, and I'll move on from the didn't intend to say this. I got advice from a great man of God. Dr. Lee Robertson told me this. It blew my mind, still does to this day. He said, Stephen, don't even pray about it. Don't pray about it. Dr. Lee Robertson said, don't pray about it. I had him in for a meeting at my church in Indiana, and I was taking him to the airport, and I told him about my dilemma, and I felt like God was done there and wanted me to move on, but it wasn't sure if it, it was back to my home church. And he said, don't even pray about it. And I said, don't even pray. He said, yeah, because you can't pastor two churches. He said, you got a church, run that church, pastor that church. If God wants you there, he'll put you there. 
And guess what? I've been here almost 29 years. This month. Isn't that strange? But I know the feeling that Abraham felt going and I didn't know where and I didn't know how and I didn't know how I was going to survive and I'm taking my babies and everybody's barking at me. My parents were upset with me. Christians were upset with me. Don't do that. How do you know it's God's will? Listen, listen. Don't listen to those nagging, negative voices. Obey God. When you're going through a time, you need to decide, Lord, what do you want? Not what mama wants, not what daddy wants, not what my church wants, not what my kids want, not what my wife's saying. Lord, if you're, God's calling you into ministry as a man or a young woman, God's calling you, listen to God. Listen to God. Lastly, go to James chapter 1, verse 22. And can I say something? If you know somebody that's trying to find out God's will for his life, listen, help them, pray for them. Don't, don't, be, don't be against them. Don't be against them. I say that because I knew what it was to have Christian people against me when I was trying to make my decisions. James 1.22 be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Here's what we need to do. While waiting on God, may we wait in promptness to act. Promptness to act. Doesn't say in dragging your feet. It doesn't say when you get around to it. It doesn't say when you feel like everything's lined up with the stars. While you're waiting on the Lord for whatever's going on or will go on in your life, wait in promptness to act. And this will take, we got to have an ear of faith, have a heart of faith. Have to, here is where we see a living by faith. We sing this song, living by faith in Jesus above. We sing it. Do we practice it? Trusting, isn't that in the words of the song? It's real quiet in here today. I think this message has struck a chord. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. In readiness to go and do and obey and to follow, like Samuel did, Isaiah did, Paul did, any other person God called to do anything in his will. But there's got to be a promptness to act. You've heard the term, uh, strike while the iron is hot. There's danger in delay. James' words to a people... This context, and I'm going to finish up, we'll be done. James' context of this, where he, where, where he says, uh, yes, Lord, in promptness to act, to do what God wanted him to do. It's in direct relationship to what he was facing. And if you read James chapter 1, these people were afflicted, and you know what else? They were in diverse temptations. 
Diverse temptations. That word, not diverse, divers. I, I did the same thing. Diverse meaning many. Divers. Divers. D-I-V-E-R-S. It means manifold, many-faced, coming from all different angles, various in color, variegated, various sorts, tests, temptations, will come our life. Diverse, many kinds, many faces, coming from different directions. And then he says temptations. This word temptation means things that try us to the core. Things that are hard to overcome. Has the word connected overwhelmed by. I don't have the time, but there's so many good words here. Could be a trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and consistency. Could be a trial that entices to sin. Now, the Bible says God never tempts man to do evil. He doesn't solicitate us to do it. That's the devil's job. But God will allow trials. And sometimes that word's interpreted temptations. But it's not a solicitation to sin. It's actually a testing of our faith. Will we trust him as we go through it? It could be a condition of things, a mental state in which we're enticed to sin by the enemy, a lapse of faith and judgment. Again, the devil's after you. He wants you to have a lapse of faith and judgment. You hear people, I, I made a poor decision. In the waiting time, we don't want to make poor decisions. Listen to this one. Could be affliction or trouble, a severe test to prove one's faith, character, and holiness to God. When I've been under tests and trials, I realize I'm like, I'm like Isaiah, woe is me. And then the question that has come in my heart, sometimes from my very lips, Lord, why me? I mean, you do know who I am, Lord. You ever come to the place where you say, Lord, you know who I am. Why me? David said, what is man that thou art mindful of? I mean, why did God ever save my soul? Why did God ever pick me out to serve him? Why me? These people in James chapter 1, in verse 2 says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Verse 22 that we read says, Wherefore lay apart, and he says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James' people, in context, were persecuted, and they were being scattered abroad. Saints were being scattered abroad. You know, right now we got the coronavirus. It's on the news. You know, they're shutting down this and shutting down that. Schools all over the world. Not too hard here in the United States. Did have a death yesterday of one of the people in our country. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of concern. There's a lot of panic in some parts of the world. Europe, Asia, different parts of the world. Afghanistan, all these places. And there are going to be people that are going to be kept from doing something, sent a place they don't want to go. Nobody likes to be lifted up from their place and made to move somewhere else. Given a list of 
instructions, rules, and regulations. But when you're in something like this in other parts of the world, but it, that it could turn into a pandemic, could, could, there's going to be some rules and regulations that have to be followed. Here we see people, not because they did anything wrong themselves, they are under great persecution, and they are, the Bible said, they're scattered abroad. Why would God do such a thing? Why would God do such a thing? You know, I know this. In the book of Acts, God told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And what did the church do? They disobeyed and they didn't go. So God brought in persecution. And persecution scattered them everywhere. What possible thing could come out of being scattered? The gospel went all over the world. Don't you think it'd be better for us as Christians this age that we did what God told us to do by obeying an immediate result, willingness, readiness, and I'm going to do, Lord, here am I, send me, than to be made to do something that's going to happen anyway. <laughs> that's hard, isn't it? You know why that's hard for us? Because we want to be in control. And when you take the sovereignty of God and our silliness and you match it, because God is going to have his way. So as you go through a trial, a trouble, a difficulty, these could be all of our responses. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let God do what God wants to do. And I think our approach ought to be saying, listen, to our best ability, humanly, humanly speaking, Let's do what we can do by faith, trusting God. Paul said in Romans 12, 18, if, if it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. See, there's going to be times in our life where as much as lieth within us, the best of our ability, let's do what God would have us do. So, preacher, I, that's the problem. That's the crux of it. I don't know. Well, then be still. Listen. Be willing. Be ready. Act in promptness to what God will say eventually if you don't do your will and really want his will. All things work together for good. To them that know God. To them that are called according to his purpose. Hey, I hate waiting. I hate struggles. I hate trials. I hate sorrows. I have anxieties. I have fears. Oh, well, yeah, we all do. Anybody tells you they never do, they're lying. Because they do. I don't know what you're waiting. I don't know what waiting room God has you in today. Allowed you to be in today. A, a waiting room of health. A waiting room of finances, a waiting room of marital difficulties, a waiting room of family uh, problems. I don't know. I don't know what it is. A waiting room of, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know. Wait and listen to God. And then in faith act, trusting him always, that he will always do the right thing. I'll close with this. For years and years, there's some answers that pastors don't have. They may think they have them. They don't have them. 
And people will come with different. One of the things I remember in studying prophecy and preaching prophecy and prophetical things in the past, you get in those verses where people think, okay, we're going to be raptured. Oh, we're going to be raptured. And then mamas especially will say, what's going to happen to my baby if I'm raptured? Because my baby's not saved. My baby's in innocence. Ever had anybody, any mother ever thought of that? Oh, good night. I brought up something that's going to give you a problem. But anyway, because the Lord's coming for the saved. And so parents would say, what's going to happen to my child? He's not saved yet. Mothers would say, what's going to happen? You know, when you read the tribulation period, people are going to die in large amounts. There's going to be all kinds of problems. What's going to happen to my children? I only know this. God will always do the right thing. And there are going to be times in our life where we don't have the answers. We're going to have fears, and we're going to have phobias, and we're going to have concerns. We're going to say, what about this? What about that? It's not everywhere lined out in the Bible. Amen. There's principles in the Bible that we can follow. Don't, don't have a heart attack. But I know this. He's always right. He's always God. He will always do what is right. And that's the kind of God I can trust. Trust. Have faith in. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed.